0: Hello and welcome back to the Uncensored Woman, all of you beautiful, handsome, amazing people. Happy Monday. I hope all of you are off to a fantastic start to the week. I am your host, Heather Christine, and we are doing a part two today of unsealed court documents in the Valo Daybell case. However, Today's going to be a little bit different because we are going to talk about Lori's niece, Melanie Boudreaux-Palowski. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Heather, what does this have to do with anything if you don't know anything about the case? Now, if you are aware of this case, you know that Melanie may very well be a main player in this whole thing. I happen to think, in my personal opinion, that she has way more to do with even the missing kids than what she leads us to believe, okay? If you've ever seen any of her interviews, she runs around in circles. She talks in circles. She never directly answers um, any questions. She was involved in this cult, okay? One day, she just up and divorced her husband, left all four of her kids, moved to Rexburg with her aunt and got married really, really soon after her divorce to Brandon was finalized. She lived in Unit 174. Lori lived in Unit 175. She says they were busy moving and she never uh, seen that the kids were missing. I don't believe that. She also said that when she went into Lori's unit, that the kids both had rooms. But Tylee never had a room set up in Rexburg. And according to a babysitter that watched J.J. one time, J.J. really didn't have a room set up either. He had a mattress on his mother's floor. You know why? Because Lori knew what she was going to do. I am telling you all, this is my opinion though. I don't know. I'm I'm just saying that that's my belief. Uh, But she is a main player in this and that is why we are devoting part two to her because it's going to tie everything together and if you all don't know anything about the case you're going to see that today and then later this week I will release another episode where we discuss everything that we go over so again today the majority of the episode will be um, court documents but it is a very crucial information to know before we hop into today's episode though oh and also disclaimer The court documents we're going over today, they were supposed to have a hearing July 1st. So all of this was already covered, I believe, if they did go to court on July 1st. And this is just more to catch everyone up. Also, it has been brought to my attention that Brandon recently has gotten remarried I don't really know how I feel about that but again I'm gonna save all those thoughts for the next episode because today is dedicated to these court documents all right whatever platform you are listening to me on please download the uncensored woman if you were on iTunes go ahead and give this show a review I appreciate it so much thank you to everyone that continues to come back and support the uncensored woman I appreciate you more than you know And, yeah, you know, we're not going to waste any more time. We are going to go ahead and jump right into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Today, as I said, we are discussing Lori's niece, Melanie. Not Melanie Gibb. Melanie Gibb, if you don't know anything about this case, was Lori's best friend. Melanie Boudreau Polowski, Melanie Polowski now, Boudreau was um, her name with her last husband. Polowski is her current last name with her new husband, Ian. Melanie Polowski, as she now is called, is Lori's niece, and I think she has a lot of involvement. She plays a big part in this case as well. And you all will understand as I'm reading off documents. Why this belongs in part two, and why this is relative information to this case. The reason I am releasing both of these parts back to back versus separate weeks is because so much new information is developing every single day, you guys, really. And I want to go ahead and get these current court documents out of the way so we can actually have a discussion. Um, With that being said, there will be another episode this week. Today's episode, which is part two, will be the last of these new unsealed court documents. Obviously, as time goes on, We will inevitably have more court documents go over, but these alone set the discussion for later on this week. Um, Let's go ahead and jump into these documents. Reminder for this episode, once again, this will cover the majority of this episode, but this information is extremely crucial going forward. It will also help tie together some events. Melanie is a huge player in this crime, in my personal opinion, and I believe we will learn more and more about her as time goes on. I also believe that she had a helping hand in this crime, as I've stated. Again, that is my opinion, but I'm interested to see how this moves forward. Now, on to the documents filed by her ex-husband, Brandon Boudreaux, and his legal counsel. So, in this document, um, Brandon Boudreaux is the petitioner. And this document is telling because it's outlining all the evidence that Brandon wants there for the court hearing. And when I was reading this, I literally, my jaw dropped um, because uh, y'all see, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading it. So the evidence that, that he wants, and that was the, like I said, the court hearing was supposed to be scheduled for July 1st, 2020 at 4 p.m. And the evidence that needed to be brought in was number one, Text messages between parties regarding mother. Okay, in this document, when they say mother, they're referring to Lori's niece, Melanie Pulowski or Melanie Boudreaux. And when they say father, they're referring to Melanie's ex husband, Brandon Boudreaux. So, number one text messages between parties regarding mother's move to Boise, Idaho. Two, text messages between father and chase bank three photo of father's car because um if you all remember me discussing this in the last two episodes the court documents from yesterday or the first episode there was a hit put out for brandon and his car was shot at and the bullet actually missed his head by inches thankfully he's still alive because those those poor kids I mean Melanie and Brandon have four children together and let me reiterate she just got up one day and left and also it was said that I think one to two of her children were dark spirits so if Brandon hadn't have been as protective as he is these kids could be dead too Number four, State of Nevada marriage certificate for Mother and Ian Pulowski dated November thirtieth, 2019. Five, case number CR33 19 0704, information for defendant Ian Pulowski's criminal charges. Six, New York life insurance policy information. Seven, Text from Jade Thylan, maybe I don't know. I probably butchered that, but it's okay. Regarding the payments for life insurance policy. Eight screenshot of call log with Jade Thylan, Thylan, whatever. Nine text messages between parties regarding life insurance policies and Christmas. Ten screenshots of text sent from mother's husband to his ex-wife. 11. Email from Natalie Pulowski to Mark Bear Bell regarding her ex-husband's marriage and lifestyle with mother. 12. Audio recording of call with the ex-wife of mother's new husband regarding the shooting. Now, I just want to go over these few things right here. Um, I know I discussed this in my first episode about the Valo Daybell case. So if, if you haven't heard that, or you're not up to speed on this case at first, Ian was, which is Melanie's new husband was actually helping with the FBI He was recording his new wife without her knowledge until he finally admitted it, and he was working with his ex-wife to help Brandon out, but then he finally broke down and told Melanie the truth, and supposedly she understood, and she forgave him, and yada yada yada, and now I think Ian is caught up in this too. Either that, or he's scared for his life. I'm not sure. But it would be smart of both Brandon Boudreaux, Melanie's ex-husband, and Natalie Pulowski, Ian's ex-wife, to keep those kids um, far, far away from those two. Thirteen text messages from mother to parental grandparents. Fourteen payment history to advanced mediation. Fifteen. Surveillance images from October 2nd, 2019. 16. Surveillance images from October 3rd, 2019. 17. Henderson Police Department Records and Incident Report. 18. Case number CR33-19-040704. Information regarding mother's new husband. 19. Domestic violence assessment dated June fourth, two thousand nineteen, for mother's new husband. And this really interests me. Um, what does Ian have going on in his past, honey? What is? I mean, this indicates that he has did something dangerous to his ex wife. I mean, domestic violence is a is a real thing, and you have to have real proof to have this stuff on your record so i'm very interested to dig through his past as well because um there's some shit going on there okay 20 east idaho news article titled enhanced video shows who visited lori daybell's storage unit the same day her relative was shot at in arizona 21. Mother's lease agreement dated October 28, 2019, for apartment at 565 East Pioneer Road, number 174, Rexburg, Idaho, 83440. 22. Zillow information for apartment rented by mother in Rexburg, Idaho. 23. Document titled, Ian's Outline. 24. Response to request for discovery documents for case number 191101478 in Utah County, Utah from Mother's Laptop. 25. Text to Mother from her family. 26. Text from December twenty. 2019 through January 2020 from maternal grandfather to mother. 27. Sworn petition for order of protection for case number CV33-20-0215. 28. Protection order and notice of hearing for case number CV33-20-0215. 29. Motion to deposition subpoena filed on May 19th 2020. 30. Press release dated February 26th 2020 from law office of Robert P. Jarvis. 31. Press release dated March 25th 2020 from law office of Robert P. Jarvis. Um, as you can see, I don't want to keep interrupting, but there is a lot that Brandon is, is asking for. He definitely has some shit on Melanie and her new husband, Ian. Okay? Um... 32. Screenshot from East Idaho News. 33. All documentation from father's response to mother's motion to hold petitioner in contempt filed on March 16, 2020. 34. Father's cash value of life insurance policy as of July 2019. 35. Letter from Carlson Boudreaux. 36. Statement from Brock Boudreaux regarding June 28, 2019. 37. Criminal complaint for case number CR33-20-0302. 38. Probable cause affidavit for case number CR33-20-0302. 39. Text message from Melanie's family to Brandon's family on June 25th, 2019. 40. Melanie's Facebook post from November 2nd, 2019, offering a reward. 41. Melanie's Facebook post from June 1st, 2020. 42. PB. Number or pound sign 2020 091282 Court Filings 43 C V two thousand nineteen dash zero zero one four four two court document forty four Steve Coat filings for Washington case number nine five dash two dash two two zero nine three dash two forty five. Document for case number 120-CV-00631. 46. Document for case number 17-0001. JMS-KSC. 47 Fox 10. Email regarding Jason Mao. Now, uh, regarding Jason Mao, if you don't know who Jason Mao is, He was in the cult-like group with Lori, Chad, Melanie Pulowski, Melanie Boudreaux, same person, and Melanie Gibb, and actually, he was on a podcast with Melanie Gibb, Lori, and um, Chad called Preparing a People, or something like that, and basically he's insane too. So a little backstory on him real quick. He, like I said, he's in this cult-like thing and he's talking about how like he's like, um, and actually if you go on YouTube, you can find some clips of these podcasts because They've all been taken down since all this started. Okay. They were real quick with that, but you can still find some clips of some of the podcast episodes. And he sets it up like he is a retired officer and he basically had to retire because. He tore both his hamstrings trying to fight off a criminal, but it's been said that basically he had drug issues and seen this and the police department or the police department seen that he had drug issues and he hallucinated this whole fight and he was actually let go from the police department. He did not retire He's just like a big fake phony, which is not surprising because that's all they seem to hang out with. He's just another guy that seems very cocky and like he wants his ego stroked by all of these unintelligent followers that they seem to have. He's really not interesting to listen to, but if you can find any clips of him, Once again, his name is Jason Mao. I promise you, it will give you some insight on this group of friends. And when you're looking into this case, you really need all the insight that you can get. 48, responses from Daybell Children. 49, transcript from interview with Melanie and Ian with East Idaho News. 50. Ian's Facebook comments. 51. Text messages between Ian and Natalie Pulowski regarding Ian's parenting time. 52. Text from Ian Pulowski to Natalie. 53. Text messages between mother and Chrissy Cope in June 2019. 54. Text messages between Brandon and maternal grandparents fifty five text messages between Brandon and maternal grandparents in october fifty six text messages the between the parties and group message with maternal grandparents and these text messages have to obtain a lot of stuff I mean a whole lot more than we could probably even fathom. Because, I mean, he's asking for a lot. And there has to be just a bunch of evidence in these. 57 text messages between Brandon and Bishop Raymond. 58 text messages between parties in June 2019. 59 text messages between parties in fall 2019. 60 text messages between parties from October 5th through the 9th of 2019. 61 text messages between parties from October 14th through the 16th, 2019. 62 text messages between parties in August 2019. 63 text messages between parties on July 10th, 2019. 64 text messages between parties on July 9th, 2019. 65, text messages between parties on June 25th, 2019. 66, text messages between parties on June 17th, 2019. 67, text messages between parties from May 28th to June 1st, 2019. 68, Text Messages Between Parties on September 16, 2019. 69. Analysis of Interview Done by Melanie Pulowski by analyst Annie Elliott. 70. Link to Interview Done by Melanie and Ian Pawlowski with CBS. And then we have the paper with the witnesses, which... One being Brandon Boudreaux, of course, because Brandon Boudreaux is the petitioner. He's the ex-husband. He is the father to their four children. And also, I don't know if it's been confirmed. I should have probably looked at that. But I really do think Melanie is currently pregnant right now uh, with with Ian. Um, I, I think her and Ian are expecting... Um, it says Father is anticipated to testify regarding all aspects in this case. Number two, Melanie Pulowski. Mel- Our mother is anticipated to testify regarding all aspects in this case. Number three, which I was blown away. Melanie Gibb. Miss Gibb will testify regarding her knowledge as to preparing a people. Mother's involvement with preparing a people, Miss Gibbs' conversations with mother regarding the attempt on father's life, mother's beliefs, mother's. Here we go. Here we go. This one, too. Mother's travel to Hawaii in October to spend time with Lori Vallow Daybell, and all other aspects of this case to which she has direct knowledge. Number four, Teresa Boudreau. Miss Boudreau will testify regarding her communication with mother, wherein mother confirmed she knew about the December hearing, as well as other interactions she has had with mother during the course of this litigation. So there was a hearing in December, for Melanie and Brandon about their kids, and Melanie missed that hearing. Also, Melanie, Brandon was trying to hide the children, and Melanie went to Brandon's parents' house and would not leave. You know, she's trespassing on property, trying to get the kids, scaring everybody. She actually was locked up over that in a simple google search and you'll find her mugshot but I believe this woman is completely bonkers just like her aunt Lori and Melanie Gibb I have twisted feelings on her now she's never twisted her story up she stayed true Every single time she's talked to the police. Now remember Melanie Gibb is testifying in this case against Melanie Pulowski, But she's she also was Lori's best friend. Now I'm all for her telling her side of the story and talking to the police. But why did it take her so long? Number one. These are just a few of my questions. Number two. She was well aware of what being a zombie meant, being a dark spirit, being possessed, all of that, she was aware what had to happen to set your spirit free. So when Lori calls her up like, you know, hey girl, or when she's sitting over there with Lori, when Tylee was already missing, and and she was sitting over there with Lori, and her boyfriend and Chad and Alex and whatever and Lori Lori says look look the JJ he's become a zombie look at it look how he's acting look what he's saying look what he's doing why did she not report that then that is what I want to know I understand the fear okay And I understand maybe you don't think it's going to go correctly because, hell, you were best friends with this girl. And you've seen Charles try to get her again and again. And the police didn't listen. And Charles ended up dead. Like, I understand the fear. But these are children. Okay? These are innocent children. And you know, according to Lori and Chad's belief, to set a dark spirit that has gone to a zombie free, they have to be killed so their spirit can go back to the light I if my best friend called me first of all I couldn't be friends with somebody with these beliefs but let's just say I was and they called and they said Heather I don't know my kid I'll use my kids names my kid Kaden my kid Kaylee Isaiah caught her I don't know they're turning into zombies and look their vocabulary has advanced they're saying they love Satan They're hopping around, not wanting to watch each other. They are zombies. Look at them. I would be on the phone with the police reporting that ASAP. Because I would be terrified that something would happen to the children. I mean, Melanie Gibb watched and was there as Charles supposedly went from a light spirit to a dark spirit and was possessed by... Nate or Ned Schneider or whatever Nathan Schneider whatever his name was that took over his body and he was killed Melanie seen this how did she not know what was going to happen with the kids or did she and she just refused to report it because in my opinion that is contributing to the crime that is going along with it. So should she be punished? I don't know. But I think she should have reported it. That's just my own personal opinion. But still, in my other opinion, she's not the worst of the worst. Melanie, Lori's niece, Melanie Pulowski. this woman is insane. And when I found out that see she played stupid in all these interviews well you know I don't I don't know what Lori's doing you know we're we're too busy adults basically you know we we just do our own things but I've seen rooms for both the kids and we really didn't have much time to talk but now we see that she went to Hawaii oh yeah baby she knows more than what she's leading on to she knows so much more And I would not be surprised if if we find out she was in on the murders of these children. And also, she was very, very close. She said this herself to Alex Cox. Supposedly, Alex Cox was the last one to see both of the kids before they died. And to tell me Melanie didn't know anything about this? That's whack. I don't believe that. Also, I believe that Ian and Melanie were an arranged marriage, just like Alex and, which is Lori's brother, and his wife, Zulema, were an arranged marriage. You know, Alex, of course, is dead now, but you know, how convenient because he was the hitman for them, supposedly. And now he can't talk because he died of a blood clot, which I believed. I believe he was poisoned. I don't care what nobody says. Um, She knows. And, and if she was in Hawaii, she knows. She never in any of those interviews brought up anything about going to Hawaii. In fact, this bitch never answered a direct question. It would be like, if I asked you, is the sky blue? Melanie would answer... Well, you know, I looked out at the sky today, and I thought that the sun looked weird, and it was kind of yellow, but then I seen clouds, and then I thought, maybe it might rain this week, so I need to go to the grocery store and get some groceries, and on to the grocery store, maybe I need some macaroni and cheese, I don't know, and then by the end of that, you're like, well, what the hell does that have to do with the sky color, What what does that have to do with Scotty and Blue? But that is literally how she answered every single question. Like, you you just were more dumb for listening to it. She never really answered anything. And whatever legal counsel she has beside her she needs to fire them. I'm just saying because she didn't make I don't know if her legal counsel told her she was making herself look better with any of those answers but she definitely made herself look more suspect and they had to have known that some of this was going to come to light. They had to have known that the public and the other attorneys in this case who were going to figure out that she was also in Hawaii and she had more to do with this than what is led on and as far as the hit put out for Brandon Boudreaux, her ex-husband that was identified as Charles Jeep and it's actually the Jeep that Tylee drove around before Tylee was missing but at the time of the the attempt made on Brandon's life Charles was already dead and Tylee was already missing so I, I'm just saying Melanie I'll be surprised if she don't end up in jail with all of them and I really want to look into the outcome of this court hearing but as I said that's how I wanted to wrap up part two, because it is very, it is very vital information to know. And as you can see, it kind of ties everything together. So that way later this week, I can put out a full discussion on this case. And you all know exactly what I'm talking about. But if this is the only episode that you've ever listened to, you need to go back and listen to the two previous episodes, which the first episode that I ever put out on this case was the Bizarre Timeline of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. And then I released an episode last night, which was part one of this episode, which was the Unsealed Court Documents, on the Lori Vallow Daybell case and it was about the children and how they were found and the gross details in that and then this is all about Melanie's a little timeline and her involvement so we can wrap it up and as i stated in these episodes we are far from being done with this case i will keep you all updated and again, we are having a discussion about these two parts later this week and any new findings. But you guys, I hope that helped speed all of you all up to what is going on. And I hope you all have an amazing week. If you have any questions or anything like that, my email is always in the show notes. And my YouTube link is always in the show notes as well. If you want to go check that out and that is going to wrap today's episode up you all have just listened to the uncensored woman I have been your host Heather Christine everybody please stay safe out there peace love and happiness to all of you and I will talk to you guys in the future episodes bye